0: Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. Thank you for the standing ovation. That's greatly appreciated. How are we doing, everyone? We doing good? Yeah. Amen. Amen. All God's people said Amen. Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Um, last time I got up here and taught, I prefaced it with a little bit of, we're going to do stuff that's a little bit harder this morning, and round two. Okay, tomorrow, this morning is going to be round two. I know you guys are smart. You guys can handle it. Last time we talked about a little bit, uh, a couple aspects of the law, and this morning, we're going to do that again, so I want you guys to uh, stay with me. I think this is important. So the high level, for the past couple weeks, Brian has been walking us through Galatians. A couple of weeks ago, I taught on Galatians 3, if anyone remembers the law as our schoolmaster. And then if you, if, for those of you uh, sophomore, junior, senior, Eric taught an entire series on the fruit of the Spirit. And Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be at this morning, and uh, that's where the fruit of the Spirit resides, is in Galatians chapter 5. So, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to connect all of these ideas, because I think there's some gaps in our understanding that need to be filled. So, this is critical, critical, critical stuff. When you guys are in math class and in science class, you guys have those moments where like, something clicks and then suddenly everything that you've learned for the past like month like suddenly makes sense. Yeah, not for Justin. That's alright. It's okay, Justin. You're, you're, we're all, uh, Justin's here. We're all here. It's fine. We're good. But you get my point, right? When something clicks, you're like, okay, the entire thing now makes sense to me and I can handle all of it. So that's what I'm going to try to do for us this morning. So uh, so a recap: Galatians one through four. Brian has talked about this the past several weeks, and the theme of Galatians four is very, very obvious. Galatians one through four is always talking about God's law does not save us. Our, our obedience, our good works, have no redeeming value. that faith in Christ alone is what saves us it's It's that issue of justification, right? So I'm gonna, I have a slide here for, for justification, a recap of the definition, just so we're all on the same page. Justification, in a biblical sense, we define as being forgiven of our sin, and our relationship with, our relationship with God is made right in the eyes of God. An easier way to put it is to be declared righteous. So I'm going to use that ju- word justification all through this morning. Remember, that's what that means, to be made right with God, okay? Okay. So the point is Galatians one through four is talking about justification. Uh uh uh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Another slide. I have a bunch of verses on here that constantly, that, that, are, that are highlights in Galatians that define the theme. 2.16, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Chapter, thir- chapter 3, verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Chapter 3, verse 11, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 21, tell me you who desire to be under the law. Do you not listen to the law? There's stuff about Abraham. There's stuff about covenants. It's all kind of complicated. The point that Paul is making just is over and over and over again that our obedience does not justify us, okay? Following that theme. Let's recap what I talked about a couple weeks ago. The law is our schoolmaster. Hopefully some of you remember it, but I, I, I double-tripled down on this idea that the law was never intended to save us. It was given to us as an impossible standard, an impossible measure that could never, ever save us. That was the point. God's law was intentionally designed by God to be an imprisoning set of rules, which were impossible for mankind to keep. I have more verses. Verse 321. If a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus, whoops, forgive me here, by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. Romans 320. That's not in Galatians, of course, but Paul wrote Romans, For by the works of the law, no human will be justified, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So that was, I taught that a couple weeks ago. That's a quick recap. And so, we have Galatians 5, which is where we're at this morning. Eric taught an entire series just on Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control okay so I'm gonna read as a chat, there's a recap of 1 through 4 and the ideas that are associated with them so now keep that in your mind as we move into Galatians 5 okay so if you want to please read along with me Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 for freedom Christ has set us free stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and that the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, so law keeping, what ceremonial law keeping why am i still being persecuted in that case the offense of the cross has been removed i wish that those who unsettled you would emasculate themselves that is a wild claim from paul basically saying those of you who are distorting the gospel i wish that they would emasculate themselves that's 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 just flat out craziness is my mic doing weird stuff no am i good all right Verse 13, for you who are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Okay, so we're not going to cover really much in that passage, but the point is I'm going to identify something here. So he's continuing that theme, right? And he addresses circumcision specifically, that circumcision is of no value to you. All, I could talk for another hour just on that, so just hang with me, alright? So, verse. keep that in mind. Now verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not set gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the de- uh, And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So there's chapter five as a whole, okay? So before I quickly move on, Again, high-level overview. One, One through four is about the issue of justification, right? The law does not save us. And then we move into chapter five, and I don't know if you noticed it, but halfway through chapter five, he seems to switch ideas. Halfway through the passage I just read, he starts promoting obedience to God's law, encouraging fruits of the Spirit, and discouraging works of the flesh, which would be sin, of course, which would be um, the breaking of the transgression of God's law. Uh, spoiler alert, chapter 6, he, he continues this idea too. So to sum it up, chapters 1 and 4 about the, about the law being incapable of saving us, and then chapter five and, switch, 5 and 6, there's a switch to we must obey God's law by producing fruit of the Spirit and avoiding sin. So hold up. If you're like me, you think, hey, wait a second, That there's a disconnect here. Paul spends four and a half chapters basically telling me that my obedience to the law is of no, has no merit, there's no value in it, there's, uh, there's no justification there that God's law is an impossible standard, that righteousness comes by faith alone, and now he finishes chapter five commanding me to be obedient to the law. What's up with that? I thought we just, we just went through this law thing. I thought there was no merit in it. I, I'm, why did he, what's the disconnect here? Okay, that's, that's what I think of immediately when I'm reading Galatians cover to cover and I come to chapter five. I thought, I thought the law couldn't save us. What, what are we doing? So here's what we're gonna do this morning, okay? Because we've been teaching We've been walking through Galatians 1-4 through because I taught heavily on one of the purposes of the law, and then because Eric taught an entire series on the fruits of the Spirit. Even though we're in Galatians chapter 5 this morning, what I'm going to do is connect these ideas for us and bring everything together so that we can have an entire understanding of how this works. Okay? We're going to connect everything Pastor Brian has taught us about the The law, the non-justifying, condemning law. And we're gonna connect that to the commands to obedience that Pastor Eric walked us through in the fruits of the Spirit. So big question mark between those ideas. There's a gap, right? What's going on? So there's two questions we're gonna address today. Question one, aren't these ideas contradictory? Question two, if obedience to God's law doesn't justify me, if obedience to God's law does not make me right standing before the Lord, if it has no value in terms of my standing with God, then why should I obey God? What's the point of it, right? If Jesus forgives me of my sins, if justification is by faith, what value is there in obedience? These, these are critical questions. Answering both of these is going to help us connect why the law doesn't justify us and why we should obedient, be obedient. Is everyone with me? I need some heads nodding, don't lie to me. All right, we're good, okay. Someone tell me if you're not. So, let's address question one first. Aren't these contradicting ideas? This is a pretty uh, simple answer. Someone, uh, Rusty, why don't you take a guess for me? Are these ideas contradictory? Uh, Oh, whoops, no, good, yeah, good answer. Everyone get up for Rusty. Yeah. Smart man. Way to go, Rusty. Rusty. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah, big time. Uh Okay, the point is, no, these are not contradicting ideas. Here's why. In the first four chapters, Paul never says anything that's contrary to or in opposition to the law of God. He never, he, never says, he never speaks negatively about the law. He's never critical of the law. He never says we don't need to obey. He never says it doesn't matter or anything like that. That's where people get this wrong. Is they, 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 they take Paul's understanding of justification and say, well, well, obedience doesn't matter. That's not what Paul said. There would only be a contradiction between these ideas if Paul said something like that, but he hasn't. If we give chapters one through four a very close look, we will never, ever, ever find even one verse where Paul says anything that's anti-law, okay? In the sense that, in the sense that he's not anti-obedience. What Paul does in Galatians chapter four is he's clarifying how the law works. He's telling them, hey, you're not justified before God. The sacrifice of Christ Jesus is what justifies you before God. His bearing of your sin is what makes you right with God. We can't perfectly be obedient to the law. It's impossible. God doesn't give us a pass into heaven depending on how many good things we do. That's not how the law works. So, again, Throughout Galatians chapters 1 through 4 and beginning at beginning of 5 Paul never speaks against the law itself he speaks against the Galatians understanding of the law. Does that make sense? He's not anti-law, he's anti what you think about the law or what they were thinking about the law, which is that the law justifies you. It does not. Okay? So that answers a contradiction there. There's a couple of verses that support this. Romans 7:12. "So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good." Romans 3:31. T- uh, "Do we then overthrow this law by faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. What's up, bro? yeah, I mean, he's an apostle of Christ Jesus, he's seen Jesus, he understands the gospel, and the Galatians were saying that something that was wrong, right? They, they were making the claim that, G, that their obedience saves you, and, but the true gospel is that Christ saves you, and that's what, that's what Paul was peddling, okay? Cool. Alright, very good. Um, so, Yeah, sorry, Romans 7.12, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Romans 3.31, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. Psalm 119 is another passage in the Bible. Over and over, the entire thing, I delight in your law, I delight in your law, I delight in your law. Teach me your statutes, teach me your commandments, okay? So, summary, there's no contradiction here in Galatians 5, Paul doesn't contradict himself because he never says that the law is bad. He just says our understanding of this is the Galatian church's understanding of the law is bad. Okay? Is everyone with me? Does that make sense? If anyone's confused, throw up a hand. Okay? <coughs> Excuse me. All right. So now that we've answered question one, is there a contradiction? Answer no. Let's move on to question two. And this is, this is where things get practical and real for us today. I, I think this will be helpful for us and will play out practically in our lives. The second question is yet again, then what's the point of obedience if I'm saved? If what's the point of obedience if, the, if obedience doesn't save me? So quick question for someone, anyone, free game for anyone in the room. When you're a little kid, why do you obey your parents? Seth, okay. Punishment, Jaden. Death. I like that one. They're wiser than us. Amen. Olivia. That that's a good one. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah, you guys are nailing. All, Seth, one more. Yeah, we, don't we don't know any better. All of those are phenomenal answers, and all of those are a uh, play out exactly in our relationship with Christ Jesus. Those are are all well and good. The thing that I think is good for us to understand is when you're a little kid, I don't think you can answer why you love your parent. Sorry, I don't think you can answer. Yeah, no, 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 we all love our parents. Yeah, we get that, we get that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 15 yards. Neutral zone infraction. Okay, the point is... I don't think we can answer or understand fully why we obey our parents when we're a little kid. You're like, uh, because I'm supposed to? You know, that's kind of the answer. As you get older, that that idea, you begin to understand it and it plays out more. The point is, answer number one, I think, why we should obey God's law is because we're told to. That's the simplest answer. It's, some people don't think that's a very satisfactory answer, but that doesn't make it true. Less true. Ephesians two ten. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Ephesians four. Oh my goodness. <coughs> Sorry. Ephesians 4.22, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. James 1.21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James 2.17, faith by itself if it does not have works is dead. 1 Peter 1.15, but he who has called you is holy. You also be holy in your conduct. 1 Peter 2.11, beloved I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your souls 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him but walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. The Sermon on the Mount, the commandments of Christ, and of course, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Over and over and over and over again, The New Testament promotes a good and right obedience to the Lord. It never says it saves us. Paul clarifies that again in Galatians that it does not justify us. It does not make us right with God. But obedience is a good thing. And the New Testament repeats that over and over and over. And so answer number one to the question to why should we obey God? Because we're supposed to. And we're told to. Like plain and simple. We could all pack up and go home. Fortunately I got two more points for us. But You get the idea, okay? It's the clearest and simplest answer. We should obey God's law because we are told to. If God commands us to do something, even if we don't understand it fully, we ought to do it. This idea runs all throughout the New Testament. God is to be obeyed. It's not a perfect obedience. Our obedience doesn't justify us. In fact, our our obedience is far from perfect, to be quite honest with you but we are commanded to not sin and to walk according to the commandments of God. Second reason we obey. We obey because it's how we show our love for Christ. John 14 is a a great spot to to look at this biblically. John 14 is, and John is taught. gosh, Jesus is talking to his disciples in the Passover feast, and he says to them over and over and over if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I have a bit of an illustration here. So some people treat this phrase wrongly. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What they think is Ladies, I'm picking on you today. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. Well, not all you ladies, just, okay. I'm picking on girls today. Bad, A bad girl, you ever had a, a <laughs> I can't call an audible now. I'm too far down the road with this one. Listen, a, if you're in a relationship, guys can do this too. You know what? Throw the dudes in there. Listen, if you're in a relationship with somebody and they're like, well, if you love me, you'd buy me food. Right? If you love me, you'd get me flowers. It's sort of a threatening kind of if you love me. (laughs) Right? Yeah, preach. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's like, I ain't getting you flowers. I already love you. I don't need to do that to... Right? That's not what Jesus is doing. He's not doing it in like a threatening sort of pouty way. If you love me, you do this for me. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not how this works. What Jesus is trying to say is that your love comes before your obedience, right? If you love me, then you keep my commandments. The two ideas are tied together. How do we know this? A few verses later, he restates it again. He says, to the one, not to the one, the one who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. This idea of obedience to Christ is tied with our love for him. Our obedience is how we, is how we show and we demonstrate our love for Christ. He says it even a third time. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word over and over and over. Our obedience flows out of love for Christ. They're tied together and they cannot be separated Pretty, pretty simple example. Do you all know people who say they love Jesus and their life does not reflect that even slightly? I think all of us know someone like that. What, what, what evidence is there that you truly love Christ if you, if you do not keep even one of his commandments? Right? Hey, do you follow Jesus? I do. Well, do you follow him? Not really. That's not reasonable. That doesn't work. Right? We should obey God because it's how we show our love for Christ. It's how we prove our love for Christ. Reason number three, we obey because God wants us to be like him. This is probably the most helpful and practical point this morning because I'm going to show this by going to where God gave the law. We're talking about the law this morning and how it works. We're going to go right there. If you want to follow along with me, we're going to go to Exodus 19. It's, I'm going to read a lot so I don't have verses for it um, on the screen. No, I'm sorry. Did I say Exodus? I'm so sorry. Leviticus. Leviticus 19. Exodus 19 to 20 is where the Ten Commandments show up. Sorry. My brain short-circuited there. I apologize. So Leviticus 19. If you want to, you can follow along with me. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. Skipping some verses. You shall not steal. You shall not steal falsely deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely. I am the Lord. Skipping more, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer, etc., etc. I am the Lord." over and over and over again commandment 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 followed with I am the Lord I am the Lord I am the Lord in other words every time he says to I am the Lord he's repeating that idea of this is how you are to behave because I am the Lord and you are to be like me be like me for obedience to God's law is how we image or represent God in this world. God desires and commands that we bear his image, that we reflect him in this world by adopting his character and his behavior. We see it over and over and over in this passage I'm the Lord, I'm the Lord. God is commanding against sinful behavior and towards godly behavior. Again, why? Because that's who God is. He is holy and he is good and he is just and therefore as his children, we should be like him. Think about this too. When we live holy lives and we, obe- we are obedient to him and when we interact with the world around us, we're representing Christ. So think about circumstances where all of us represent the Lord. The lunch table. For you guys, well all you guys are in high school. The lunch table. Oh yeah, Well, Chase has dinner with his mom, so whatever. (laughs) Yeah, that's all right, that's all right. Please stay in the small group. At work, if you guys have jobs, you're you're all interacting with people who do not follow the Lord. On the field, on the court, for those of you who play sports, when you're in those situations and when you're interacting with people, who are not Christians, and you live a life of holiness, and if you're obedient to the law of God, if you're representing the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, if you love your coworkers and your schoolmates, if you're at peace with people on the sport, right, someone pushes you or calls you a slur or something, your response to them isn't to like duke it out with them. Your response to them is to be at peace with them. Because you represent the Lord in that situation. You're, you're holy in that way. You're obeying the commandment of God in that way. The point is, in, in so many circumstances, I could t- there's, there's too many, you are demonstrating the glorious character and the goodness of God. And in doing that, your life is a witness to the transforming and saving power of God on high. Our holiness gives glory to, images, and is a witness for those who do not follow the Lord. So there's a third answer. Why should we obey God? Because God wants us to be like him. Leviticus 19, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Let's tie all this together. So the reason we've covered all this today is this, if we miss the connection between understanding justification and obedience to the law, if we rightly understand the law and understand that we should still obey it, if we miss this connection, everyone in this room will walk away from this Galatian series that Brian's been walking us through under the impression that God's law is a bad thing and that we don't need to work on being obedient to God. We've already talked about that. Paul never says anything like that. To believe that would, to be, would be to believe a unbiblical, an unbiblical and ungodly lie that goes against what it means to follow Christ. You can't say, God is so loving and so forgiving, the law doesn't justify me, therefore I can do whatever I want, and God doesn't care. That's not the gospel, it's not biblical. In fact, other parts of God's word actually indicates that if that's, how, if that's how people think, then they've likely missed the gospel and aren't even a true follower of Christ. Again, going back to the John 14 idea, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you're not keeping command- Jesus' commandments, then what evidence is there to show that you love, actually love the Lord? Throughout the Bible, for, for people who are true believers, though, we see sin and do- disobedience as consequences. To disobey God by ignoring the call to live a law-abiding, God-honoring life is to invite discipline and trouble and unrest into your life. If you're in first service, Pastor Butch walked us through that a little bit. First Corinthians, using an example of the Old Testament and the Israelites, there's a, the whole thing there. Go back and, and listen if you have the time to it. time to do it. On the flip side... We see that living a law-abiding, God-honoring life comes with so much blessing. Assurance of our salvation, peace, answered prayer, blessing, fruitfulness, no discipline, praise the Lord, and on and on and on. Obey the Lord and your reward will be great. Let's bring all this home. Let's tie all this together. Let's summarize everything we've learned about Galatians. We have one more week to go through that want Brian will walk us through. But I want all of us to understand the whole picture here. I've got two statements that I'm going to throw out here to help us understand this. To an unsaved person, to an unsaved person, the law is condemning. It is crushing. It is crushing. It is an impossible standard. It shows them how sinful they are, and it cannot save them. Obedience to God's law will not get them across the finish line. Recognizing that the law makes them guilty of sin and putting faith in the sacrifice of Christ is the only way that they might be justified in the eyes of God. We all know someone who thinks that they can make it. I mean, Judaism, Catholicism, These are still tent poles of those faiths. If I can obey my good works outweigh my bad, outweigh my bad, I'm in. No chance. That's to an unsaved person. To a saved person, the law is the standard and the model and the goal of how we as Christians and children of the one true God ought to live our lives. The law is good and we should strive to be obedient. But as you all well know, and as the Bible constantly reflects, we are sinful. We cannot be perfect, and for that reason, we need Christ to pray for we, to pay. Sorry, we need Christ to pay for all those moments when we sin against God's law. Even though it does not justify us, we are commanded to be to obey the law as much as we can, with the help of with the help and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's how we love Christ, we're commanded to it, and it's how we represent God. Let's pray. God, thank you for these students. Um, I echo the prayer, the praise of the psalmist that says, God, how I delight in your law. I pray that would be true, that would be true of all of us in this room. I pray that when we break your law that we would run to you and ask for forgiveness. I pray that none of us would ever 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 slip into thinking that we can be made right with you or stay right with you based on how well we're doing, on how how well we keep the law. And yet, while looking to the cross and and, and giving glory to Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. That we would still strive to be obedient to you and recognize that your law is good and it is to be obeyed. I pray that you would give us safety this Sunday, that all of us would have a good afternoon, and that we would honor you with our lives. I ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Good morning and citizens.